0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Revenue Champions with me, your host Ryan Ricer. Today I'm joined by Kevin Hop of Hop Consulting. If you enjoy outbound, if you enjoy cold calling, uh, you're gonna enjoy the conversation that I have with uh, Kevin Hop today. All right, welcome to another episode of Revenue Champions. You've got me, your host Ryan Ricer, and I am joined today by the Hip Hop Anonymous Hippo. Kevin Hop, from Hop Consulting.
1: Howdy, howdy. How we doing, Ryan? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah,
0: man. Uh, For those who may not know you, uh, a lot of folks from across the pond uh, maybe haven't come across you, you and your your world of uh, wanting to encourage cold calling and cold outbound. Uh, Who is Kevin Hop? Who you be in this world? What do you do?
1: Wow, what a what a big question. Who is Kevin Hop? Well. Uh, I am an outbound sales consultant. What does that mean? I help organizations that are looking to find a formulaic way to get into net new conversations with people in their target market. It's cold email. Sometimes it's mostly cold calling because the point of a cold email is just to get a conversation going anyways. And the most direct way to talk to somebody is actually to call them, believe it or not. But, um, I work mostly with, with VC backed startups that are looking to move quickly my background is all in early-stage technology companies. Ryan, I worked with you at one point. Um, I've worked with a number of people in the space, all early-stage early, early stage technology companies. So that's who I am and what I do. Does that, does that make sense?
0: Fantastic. Well, I'm uh, excited to have you on the show today. You bring an interesting perspective on a few topics that I'm always uh, excited to talk about. Um, so... Things we were talking about a little bit earlier, though, were um, the first one there's this idea around um, controlling the uncontrollables, controlling the controllables. And as a rep, as a maybe even as a leader, um, there's this big excuse machine that's coming down right now, whether it's true or not, but the big R, the recession. And you have some ideas around uh, how to develop a mindset and uh, maybe some things you could do now to. To get ahead of that, um, what are your thoughts on on the recession? What's it doing for businesses, and what does that mean to us as sellers, uh, frontline go getters, uh, business leaders trying to grow in, in a time where we're supposed to not be able to grow? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you know, I think uh, I think the number one thing that we're going to see with the recession is the cutting of all of the the easy. Leads the the idea of I have a sales job and do I have to actually go outbound? Not really, because I get MQLs coming in at a pretty good clip. Marketing budgets are high, and people are responding to marketing things. People are going to the conferences. People are spending all that that money to be out in the marketplace, actively doing things when money is easy. Now, money's going to get tough with the recession. We're not going to see things like you know big conferences turning out big leads, big webinars, big all of that. So what can you control? Like what is in a salesperson's control? Any salesperson can have their own process for how they generate activity and it's not just activity for the sake of activity, but there's really two major levers you can pull. It's it's activity, number of activity, amount of activity and quality of activity. And if you really want to take your own fate into your own hands as a sales rep, which is, by the way, how I got to where I am today is I got so obsessed with this. I had a number of account executive roles where I never had inbound leads. And I was like, shoot, I got to get really good at outbound. I got to figure out how to do this. And I became obsessed with solving that problem, led me to where I am today. And it's really two simple things. It's amount of activity and quality of activity. So if I'm a rep who's sitting there thinking about how my MQL pipeline is going to start to dry up, I'm going to think through how do I have a, a reliable strategy for generating more activities and making those activities much more meaningful? Because that's what I can control.
0: So there's a couple of things that I think are interesting from what you're saying here today. Um, so the idea that people are spending money on other marketing initiatives that are generating results, events, trade shows, um, maybe other marketing initiatives, had are you seeing a shift from like two years ago when the pandemic hit and everyone put their head in their sand to like budgets went back up and now they're going away? Or do you think that there was ever really a change there? Cause I'm trying to think about like events and trade shows. That was like the excuse everyone had like a year and a half ago. Like, Oh, we don't have that anymore. So they were looking at some other ways. Yeah. Um, so now we have the recession. Is it is it any different than what we've been seeing in the last two years? Like, is this really different, or is this just yet another excuse as to why I might not be making my number?
1: Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think the the biggest difference that you can't ignore that's a big diff, like like the change in late late the second half of twenty twenty two is going to be the layoffs. Right, everyone's seeing it. You see it out there as these big companies that have to pay more attention to the broader market in general are going to start drawing lines on spreadsheets and and laying people off. It's already happening. It's happening all over LinkedIn. You see it a lot. So that is in the back of every salesperson's mind when they're planning their day, right? So not only is there like there may or may not be trade shows going on, but the whole mindset around how am I doing outbound, the desperation, the commission breath is going to be very real around, okay, am I controlling what I need to control? How many excuses, to your point, do I have to say, well, you know, the, the recession, the economy, this, that, blah, blah, blah. It, the mindset is going to become very, very crowded, right? With uh, the idea of, hey, I, I could get laid off tomorrow. I don't want to get laid off. And then are you doing quality activity? Are you just calling people asking if they're ready to buy? Are you looking for the the top 3% of your market? Are you looking to talk to 60%, 70% of your market that might have a problem that you can actually solve? So
0: quality and quantity is important. I think you hit on a a point that's near and dear to my heart. I see this all the time. Um, Because I think activity, even with the numbers that are published as like benchmarks, 50 dials a day, um, are actually low. You know, a lot of people say, oh my God, that's a lot. Like, that job sounds terrible. I would hate to make $50 a day. It's like, well, if you're only making $50 a day, you're probably not doing pretty well because it's just not enough. Like, that, that from a qual, qual, quantity perspective. And then when you talk about quality, sure. you know, quality being um, not fudging around and clicking dial and hanging up or calling numbers you think are bad, which is happening. Right. Uh, going into your CRM, you know, calling the same leads over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again that have been called like all, you know, though those are your activity leads. You see that happening, you know. You,
1: sure. Reliable 30, 30 calls, yep. you know, won't make up. Now my up. boss
0: is off my back because I did my 50 dials a day. Um, sure. But uh, like what do you define as quality versus quantity? Like I double click a little bit into what you mentioned earlier around those two levers. Like I get it. You know, you have to do more. Sure. And I think p- doing more is a lot more than what people even strive to hit that benchmark. But what do you mean by quality, right? Is like the activity itself, um, you know, a call is a call is a call, right? Mm, okay.
1: No, no, no. To, to, you're bringing up a really good point, which is, you know, I'm not saying you should do either. I'm saying you need to do both. And by both, it's not—it uh, doesn't mean you have to make perfect calls. But I think you know. I'm—I'm I'm always surprised. I, I don't know about you, but when I talk to large organizations, the—the the bigger an organization, the less structure mm-hmm. and strategy there is when it comes to the individual daily routine. Right. Congratulations. It's Tuesday at 2 p.m. What are you doing right now? To make sure you hit your quarter, make sure you hit your month, make sure you hit your year number. Tuesday at 2pm is a, is, a, is a big question mark for a lot of people. How many calls should I be making? How many conversations should I be in? And then in the conversations that I'm having, do I have a structured way of going about that conversation that leads to a reliable outcome? And, and, and by the way, am I following up with people the right way? Am I following up in the right amount of time? There's a lot like that is the quality piece that is kind of missing. And I'm, I'm really passionate about this. You know, I'm launching an online course about it. Uh, uh, cool calling structure and process and stuff like that. So you gotta have a game plan. It's not just make the dials hit the dials and hope you get people that are ready to buy, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, the That the larger the organization, it seems like there's, there's a, a lot less structure. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of these big organizations have teams that are in silos and they're using even different tools, right? I've come across an organization that had both outreach and sales loft. because because (laughs) one area area VP was adamant about one of the apps and the other was adamant about the other. And so that's what they did. They're like, nope, this is the tool I'm going to use. Like crazy stuff like that happens in bigger companies. Um, And that's their, but that's their solution for process. It has nothing to do with, like what was actually happening it was just like they believe that the the job to be done is you you get people your your linkedin sales navigator you get them their premium data source like a cognizant or you know name your other one that's out there you get them their sequencer and you've done their job you've done the job for them right you know draw a line around yeah. a patch territory territory based on a zip codes or uh maybe some industry breakdowns right and zip codes like all right, you're good to go. I've done my job. Um, but like when you double click into the the actual rep, they have no idea what they're doing, right? They're just like, they're yeah. kind of lost, you know? They don't, they don't know how to actually identify a good account, which by the way, you know, I don't even know if they should be doing that. Within the accounts, they're just slamming in leads because they have this activity metric that they're trying to hit. And lo and behold, time and time and time again, I don't know if you see this, but, and this is the argument you see a lot around, uh, why cold calling doesn't work is the person with the most dials generally is the worst performer. And, and you'll see that, right? The person with the most activity isn't getting anything done because they're out there. Just, it's not a function yeah. of the rep, by the way, it's just, they're doing their best. They're doing the best they can, but, um, the bigger the company, you see more of that and they can hide behind these, these team results. Yep. Um, just to set a little bit of context on, You know, some of the follow up questions here, because I'm curious to hear your thoughts on some of this. But generally, what size organizations are you working with consulting with? Um, And then is there like a specific niche you've been working primarily in? Um, Because I want to get some metrics from you, some of the things you're seeing.
1: Yeah, good question. So I, I do kind of two things, right? I can take an organization from zero to one, which means, hey, I'm working with the founding team and they're saying, we need to build outbound. What's our technology stack look like? What is our process? How many people should we hire? What are we paying them? What's a reasonable mm-hmm. quota? All that kind of stuff. And then I also have a have a few clients where I work with them as an established team. It's a unit. It's five or six people that have been in the job for a while or or not. Either they're just getting going and it's really interesting how some of these organizations will will hire four or five or six people, and not really have they have a very junior leader who, who's in charge. He doesn't really have a an idea of a good day to day strategy or process, but they know how to tactically manage the the activity level, right? Like that's the most common thing that I see. Um, but the the only real common thing across all my clients is that they're technology startups, SaaS, okay. right? I don't work with anyone who, who isn't in the software yeah. as a service
0: and imagine business. your your typical stack and I'm curious the number of tools you're seeing now is like across that that spectrum, whether it's what you recommend versus what you see and there's this is a great follow-on here like so when you see it enabled versus what you recommend what's the what's the common stack that you're seeing these teams use right that's justifying their uh, <laughs> their their jobs to be done um, yeah you
1: know. for sure. So yeah, the, the common stack that I, I, I actually I recommend this stack to everybody, CRM. Uh, I I hope we don't have to mention that, right? HubSpot, Salesforce, or the like, something like that. Data source, cognism or or similar, right? That plugs into the CRM. The CRM houses the data. Then you put a sequencing solution on top of that. A sequencing solution is a productivity tool. It does email, it does call tasks. It does LinkedIn automation to an extent, not a lot usually. And then uh, I am a heavy, heavy proponent for a dialing solution. So a dialer to help you execute those call tasks quickly, because we know that not everybody picks up the phone and everyone picks up the phone isn't the right person. And the number one problem and the reason that reps don't make the dials that they should make is that it's a laborious, boring and grind of a process. So you have to put a bit of technology in there with the structure and a process in order for them to have success.
0: So you have CRM data, sales engagement uh, sequencer, and then you're layering a dialer, even if a sales engagement tool has a click-to-call, you're recommending some sort of auto dialer, power dialer, auto dialer.
1: Yeah. 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 Um,
0: yeah. What about like video and gifting? And do you see do you see that in this team of five yet? Or is that still not something that comes up?
1: So I had a, I had a client, uh, it was an engagement, it was my longest standing client engagement. It was a Series A startup. And near the end of the engagement, they said, hey, we uh, got this gifting platform. Check it out. All the reps have a login. Uh, how, how, how are we going to use it? And I said, we're, we're hitting our numbers with calling, right? Like the, the calling numbers were through the roof. We were at 16, 17 meetings a week with a team of three. Like we're doing fine. We don't need this. <laughs> so I, I had a rule that uh, they could send a $5 Starbucks gift card after someone accepted the calendar invite. And then we just added that at the end of the script. Right. So at the end of the, the call script, hey, are you, are you open minded to hear about this? Sure, I am. Yeah, yeah. How about Tuesday? All right. Sounds good. By the way, I'm sending you this calendar invite. When you accept it, I'm going to send you a $5 Starbucks card, buy you coffee for the meeting. Sound good? Oh, yeah. Cool. Thanks. That's nifty. And that that was kind of it, but I don't I don't necessarily recommend that an SDR team has access to a gifting platform. That's just not really best practice.
0: Uh, so did that did that um, addition of getting them to accept because of a gift card improve show rates? Did you test that at all, or was that like a mute point? It was just kind of a nice little friendly.
1: And... That's a it's a good question, and I wish that I, I wish that it you know, that I was around long enough you, you, to, you don't to really test you don't that. It, yeah. I, I don't know, but I, I, I do know that the, you know, that SDR team doesn't exist anymore. So let's say it's
0: probably way. didn't, so let's say it's probably didn't work. Uh- <laughs> it
1: probably didn't work. Probably didn't work. There's a there's, there's a, there's a, there's a story to be told there, but uh, yeah, the, the whole, the whole thing is. What about
0: video? Uh, yeah. Is that important?
1: I, I love, I'm a huge fan of video, Right. As a follow up to something that already happened, I, I'm not a fan of taking time to make videos for people that you have no prior established relationship with or no reason for the reach out. So that's just the way I coach it, and I know other people do it differently. People say like, lead with video, maybe, and I, I'm sure there's a video vendor listening to this going, "Oh man, Kevin, you still not know what you're talking about." Okay, I get it. Like, I, I, I'm a huge fan of using you know the free Vidyard extension. You know, shout out, it's free. You know, make a video when you have a great conversation with someone, and there's something specific you want to show them, or you're really excited for the next meeting, or they ask a very specific question. You can show them something really quick. Um, but I I don't recommend it as a purchased tool that should take budget out of
0: your SDR program. Okay. So you're seeing that core stack. Uh, imagine LinkedIn's probably in there too. Everyone loves to get Navigator. Is that like a? Is that still a thing? I hear that all the
1: time. I don't I don't mandate navigator either. Like navigator, like take it or leave it, in my opinion, you know? Like do you need Navigator? No. Are you see are you right? seeing most of the like teams you using it or you don't. beforehand? Uh yeah, so the the established teams yeah. pretty much all use it. Yeah. Like they, they all use it, they all pay for it. LinkedIn's got such a sick little monopoly going there, by the way. Like cheers for them. Like good for yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you do? Where else are you gonna find way to DM all these people?
0: You got to get your, no you gotta get your in-mill down. credits up. I got to warm up with the in-mill first. Um, so, so, Ooh, so you got up. you got in your core stack that they've got to have a CRM. You've got to have a data vendor, uh, a, a sequencer, and a dialer. And then we talked about some of these other things that are just add-ons you may or may not see. Um, sure. Now, again, I I just assume that if I buy all those things ten years ago, you know, when I was when I was leading sales at back then, what year is it? 23. So I was at Shaka. I was probably at sell points 10 years ago. Uh, so I was, I was at sell points, um, leading sales there. And, um, the benchmark for my team was hundred dials. You have around 10 conversations, you know, book a meeting. This is 10 years ago before all this. This is way before outreach and things like that. Right. Um, my stack yeah. back then was Salesforce. We had a dialer, um, uh, Something let's see. Oh, it was um insidesales.com used to have that sweet sweet like through things so you go fast. There's a power the power yeah, dialer predictive yeah. dialer, but it wasn't parallel dialer. Salesforce um premium data wasn't as prevalent. Uh, we found a tool called ETEL Insights that was really good in niche for what we did with the retail space, so that was that was there. So basic same stack, right? We didn't have a lot of these other more fancy things, but 10 1101. Fast forward 10 years later, you would imagine better data um, than ever, right? You got the LinkedIn that's supposed to be updated. You got premium data vendors. You got even better sequencers with dialers on top of the sequencers that tell you when to call behind pickups for whatever reason. But when you set up the stack now, what do you see as like an average benchmark for dials, connects, meetings um, today? Like What do you, what do you strive for? When you think it's good. You said you had a three team booking so, like, seventeen in a week. Like, what what does it take to get there?
1: Yeah, so I still I still think that the metric is of your connected calls that are what you would call a completion, right? The idea of completion is like it's the right person. We had a back and forth dialogue about it's a topic. It wasn't a hey, this is yeah. Kevin with Hop Consulting. Yeah. Take me off of your list. <clears throat> That's not yeah, a completion, that doesn't yeah. count. Connect and complete, right? Of of those. You should be booking, you know, five percent of those into meetings. Right wait, now, wait, when well, it comes to
0: of your completions, that's what you benchmark on. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I benchmark on, particularly for new reps. And good reps are going to do better than that, right? Like a, so you can tell a, a, a high quality rep is someone who can get closer to ten percent. One in ten of their conversations with the right person turns into C- an completions. One, one
0: in ten of your completions, um, so which is generally like. Probably about sixty yeah. percent of your connects. I don't know if that's what you see, but generally about forty percent just not busy click.
1: Yep. Right. Yeah, something like that. But um, I think what you're hinting at, which I am seeing, is it takes more calls than ever before to get a connect. And that is a bit of a problem. Right? No, I, I don't I don't
0: um, know, I it's think it's actually... the same. This one, I, my numbers back then, it might've been 10. That was what my benchmark was, but I don't think we ever really hit it. It was probably like, and that's with follow-ups too, right? Buckets, I use buckets and this is before I understood mm-hmm. what I know now. So 10% is blended on people that are fresh, cold and people that are, you're following up with. Um, so 10, 10% connect rates actually, I, I mean, the process I run now without all this stuff, we, we can get 40, 50% connect rates on a list, right? So, I don't think connect rates changed in terms of the, the 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 coldness. At least, not that's what I've seen. Like ten percent back then. Let's call it five percent now. Even if it was cut in half, which it's it's not really. It's just there's more data that's not very good. Is the problem? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you access yeah. to all these extra numbers that you have to call through to figure out. Okay, I got six numbers from Seamless. I guess six numbers from seamless of the six, one might be good. And I had to go through the grandmother and the daughter that are on the family modal mobile plan and the wife, you know, like that type yeah. of stuff is happening. That's always fun. So that's yep. what's kind of killing the connect rate. But if you go back to like the metric you have around not thinking about a connect, um, that's not really a completion as a connect. If you look at that raw data of like calling, like, a a, a record of data that's actually quality not like not like spray and pray data um i don't know if it's changed i don't know if connect rates change much
1: right i can just tell you what 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 i see right like with uh with a few of the clients i have right now like it is it's not easy to get connections what's the average connect rate you're seeing on those you say it's not easy I mean, closer to 5% yep. of, of outbound calls uh-huh. are getting picked up, which, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't remember it being that bad. I, I think it has something to do with stir-shaking, the idea that numbers are getting marked as spam mm-hmm. very quickly. And if your number shows up as spam on someone's phone, the odds of them picking it up are like 1%, right? And how many people do you call in a week before you realize that your number is showing
0: yep. up as spam? Stir-shaking is huge, yeah. It is a big one.
1: Yeah. So, and and I've, I've actually had reps set meetings where I'm either coaching them live or they show me the recording after where the prospect tells them, Hey, by the way, it shows up as spam likely. And you're lucky I picked up. it's like, woo! all right, cool. We are lucky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being a phone picker upper. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. Thanks. But you know, so, so the, so even at 5% though, uh, go back five years ago. And Connect and Sell would say that the average connect rate over 50 million million they do a year is three percent. So it, it's not it's not getting harder to reach reach people. I think we're going right back to the point that I'm trying to make from the very beginning, which is excuses. What excuses do you have to not do the work? So I don't I don't think it's the oh, yeah. tech stack. I don't think it's the it's the like some of it is definitely a process. Of course, it would be better if you had it, but I just I don't know what you're seeing, but and it is a function of enablement and having a strong process, but there's more and more and more excuses to not have time on your calendar to show up and do the job. Right? To your point, what's what's Tuesday yeah. at two look like? I, I think you're hinting at the fact that if you ask a rep right now what Tuesday at two looks like for them, it's probably blank in their calendar.
1: Yep. For sure it is. And you know, what are the other things? You know, have you ever ever come across a sales leader that says, I don't let my reps dial cell phone numbers. That's oh, disruptive. Yeah. We only oh, yeah. call I, corporate I lines. I, 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 right? Especially in this post COVID world, like cell phones are the norm. So you have to be calling cell phones. You don't you don't absolutely have to if you can find a good working company number, but it does help. It does help. It's a good excuse to say, Hey, I all I have is the the cell phone number. My boss says that that's disruptive. He doesn't like it when people call his cell phone. Therefore I can't call people's cell phones. That's an excuse.
0: I don't know. If you're, if I'm a rep, if I'm a rep at a company and uh, my job is to bring in pipeline, um, I'm probably going to go and get a list wherever I can get a list. I'm going to get the numbers wherever I get the numbers. I'm going to make the calls I'm going to have the conversation. If somebody asks me to take them off their list because I'm calling their mobile phone, I'll politely take them off their list. I won't call them again. That person will never complain to my boss. And then I'll probably have more conversations with the people that are picking up the phone. Which I definitely will because you have more at bats. And um, when I'm hitting my number, I don't think my boss is going to ask if it was a mobile number or not. And in fact, if that's a really strong sales leader, the first thing that you're going to teach your rep is what, Hey, what's a good number to text you if, if text is good, right? Like, are you a texter? Are you an emailer? Like you're probably grabbing mobiles once you set a meeting anyway. I don't know. It's a best practice that I've, I've deployed for years, right? Do you prefer like email or text reminders to make sure like, that's like a, an easy question. And like, Oh yeah, sure. Text me. Perfect. I just got you to opt in on a follow up anyway, and I should be building my database of, of mobiles. Now I don't, recommend cold texting although some people are doing that now as a way to get started don't don't justify not picking up the phone and calling somebody Ugh. get opt-ins first but it's it's a way to you know compound into a channel like that that's like a sure in fact sean mclaren at connect Incell uh is famous for saying if you don't have if you don't have the mobile number on an active opportunity i'll fire you type of thing right like he, he, he he's a he's like <laughs> how is it an active opportunity if you don't have their mobile number you know it's like well some people don't want to give away that some people don't want to good give it away, but it's a good practice to ask for it. Right. Um, so sure. Sure. So I, I don't, I don't understand that excuse. That's yet another excuse. Like knock it out. I mean, uh, yep.
1: Look, we don't, we don't have to understand it. We just know that it's real. I hear this. I, I hear people saying things like, Oh, well we can't call mobile. So it's not really worth calling. Oh, okay. So we're not calling. What are you can- doing at Tuesday at two? Well, I'm waiting for them to reply to my email sequences that I said on Monday. So, right? I, I hear this, man. It's out there. This is a real, this is real culture. Right. So here's an interesting
0: stat for those who are listening in around who might be thinking, I can't call if I don't have mobiles. Well, first of all, you should check out Cognizant's diamond data. It's verified mobile data. That's pretty good. But if you call um, uh, company lines, you can quickly identify if a company line is really worth prospecting into or not by do they have an automated dial tree or uh, somebody that transfer calls? If somebody is staffed to transfer calls, that organization is, um, it's actually a really valuable calling lead, right? Especially if you're calling into big companies, um, people who staff someone who transfer calls an actual human versus an automated teller, um, the people at that organization are about two times more likely to pick up than if they don't. So I know that by looking at the connect rate on operator transfers to versus IVR transfers. Operator transfers are two times more likely than IVR transfers to pick up. Now, if there's an operator transfer and the person that you're transferring to records their name in their voicemail, that's what we would call a validated number. And an operator transfer validated number actually has a better connect rate than any other number. It's, it's equivalent to a mobile. Any other number, uh, it's equivalent to mobile, outside of mobile, right? It's, a, it's an operator transfer. And what you don't get with those conversations is, how'd you get my mobile? So you, you can actually yeah. get, it's a subset. It's not everyone, right? You'd have to go through the, val- you'd want to validate your data and figure out like, you could run this process yourself. Very first attempt, is it an operator or not? Right? If an operator's there and they transfer, does Kevin, I didn't reach you, does Kevin have his name as voicemail or not? If Kevin does, I want to flag that lead as a very high probability picker-upper, higher probability picker-upper than any other number. And that organization has a culture of their people wanting to be phone picker because they staff someone to transfer. And so if you're making that excuse, uh, you know it's not true. And then the other thing you want to do is if you're using IVRs or operators, again, flag those, but um, make sure you're documenting the path, right? So now it doesn't take you time. You don't have the excuse that it takes forever. Um,
1: and so, so you're you're actually making the argument for you need to have a process <laughs> for how you go about outbound. It's kind of a ballsy assumption. Oh, I know. Here, I know, Ryan. That you think people want people actually want to have a process because if you have a process then you can work the process. But if you don't have a process, you could always just blame the fact you don't well, have That a was going to
0: be my next step. So, we got the stack, it solves the problem, but and we just talked about the data. I don't think it's changed much. So more data, same, maybe worse results. We, we can make an argument there. I, I could say the same. You say a little bit worse. Either way, it should be better, but it's not. And I think that what it, this is my assumption, and maybe, you know, some clarity here is that there's this lack of process, right? There's leaders that have exact, like no idea of how to take a, a list and turn it into opportunities. They know, a lot of them know how to work opportunities. There's a, multi-billion dollar sales training and you know lots of history around how to take a opportunity stage and move it into a close one deal but that there's not really a lot of process on how to do this stuff yet we're just arming people to the teeth with all these tools and saying hey go create results
1: yeah well i mean those those companies the the outreach sales office of the world do a great job of pitching their tool as the solution yes. to the process. It's not necessarily the case and by the way, that the process that is the sequence the process about, is the
0: sequence right
1: The process is the sequence the that sales leader you're talking about is the relationship based salesperson. do you like those do you ever you ever get that you ever get that I, I'm a, I, I'm all about building relationships and I'm very strong at building relationships that's what I do as a salesperson to differentiate if you if you give me the meetings I'll build that relationship and nurture it and turn them into a good client.
0: Just get me in the Zoom. Just get me in the Zoom. That? I'll close them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just like, it's you know, we just need some, uh, we need some appointment setters to do appointment setting. And then I'll uh, get me in there and I'll build that relationship and nurture. And So uy, you uy, uy, so buy so you buy, you buy the
0: stack, you staff four or five. There's no pro. The process is the sequence. And And now I can only sure. do something if it's step five, um, day four and we, we got to wait to warm them up with the previous steps first um, what is your opinion on what is your opinion on the ability to warm up a lead through like uh, a cold lead warm up a cold lead somebody you have not had a conversation with using another channel can you warm up can you warm up a cold phone call with a cold email what's your thoughts on that
1: so yeah so there's uh, you know Let's go to the TLDR, and I'll back into why. TLDR, it's not worth the effort or time to warm up leads like that. It's not. Now, well, how do I know? Well, Kevin, you're saying that because you like cold calling. You you don't understand how to do email the right way. All right. Well, let's talk about this, right? So I I, I helped build this company called SalesGig. We did outbound sales as a service. At one point, I had like ten reps working for me that were all doing this. What was really cool, doing doing outbound for other people. Ryan, you come from this world too, right? Outbound as a service. You get to run a lot of experiments because you are doing outbound for a bunch of different companies at once. So you can find out pretty definitively, does this work? Like A-B testing, A-B-C testing, right? Testing things. Uh, we tested a lot of things and we didn't find that it was worth the effort to warm up leads. Uh, and by the way, let's talk about the fact that like technology is confounding your warm up process, every chance it gets. What does that mean? Apple and Google going cookie-less, Apple and Google doing anonymous email stuff, blocking your number from hitting someone's phone if they don't have you in the address book. But this is just getting harder and harder and harder to say this is a warm lead, right? So I I have a client right now that had the same hypothesis. And the CRO said, well, I've got these people who've opened the email five times. I bet you if we call them, they're just perfect leads. And Ryan, can you guess? We called that list versus the cold list. Which one converted higher? They, they were about the yeah, same. Yeah, <laughs> we
0: we have a client right. We a client right now, uh, One of our partners that does cold email as a service, and um, and the hypothesis was, we'll just call all the all the folks who've opened five times or more, um, and uh, yep. those ones are definitely interested. If we just haven't got them respond yet. We should we should do quite well. So that's, that's an interesting hypothesis. Why don't you just send us all the stuff that hasn't responded and we'll split them up and we'll look at the results. And lo and behold, um, sure. the results of the campaign are really positive. Um, selling cold email via cold calling is actually really, really, really easy. A lot easier than selling cold calling. I just p- posted about this last week, a lot easier than selling cold calling, yeah. um, via cold calling. But, um, the, the interesting part is that, uh, whether they p- opened five times or not had no impact on the conversion rate of uh, the conversation. Um,
1: now, why, why is that though? Right? Like if you, like, you gotta, you gotta like, I, I think with the problem and tell me if you have the same experience, the problem is that people anthropomorphize the actions of others and give it way more credit than they give their own actions. Right? Like I opened my email and I scroll through my, my my emails, and I open the email from Starbucks five times. It does not make me any more likely to go to Starbucks that well, day. It just means that I, I went so, through it.
0: Well, I don't know about others, but I have an admin that literally goes through every one of my emails and reads it. And then if it's worth me reading again, uh, unreads it and puts it into a folder. So there's multiple opens there if I do open it. Yeah. Um, that's one process. Another process I used to do is I just don't like, like I have my unread box because you can categorize your Gmail. So you, you, can put unread ahead of read. And so reading an email would get it out of my like list. So I would open everything to get it out. And then if it was worth getting back to terrible process, of course, but I would unread it again. And then, it would, then, and then there was a foldering system. So there's probably three or four opens before I even actually look at it. And the only reason why I'm opening it is because right. I've always been in a revenue producing role. So I have to be like, Oh, wait, is this like a, is this a deal or not? Oh, okay. never mind. later. Is this a dealer? Oh, it's spam. Oh, is this right. oh. like, so, um, lots and lots and lots of false information there. It's my understanding too, that some email clients just by scrolling can count just how the pixels fires can count. So if mm-hmm. I'm opening my email and I'm scrolling, it might be like, Oh yeah, that's a fire. That's a fire. So you're seeing opens. It's my understanding. Um, and then ultimately, yep. just because I opened your email, and especially if I opened it multiple times and didn't reply, I'm probably not – it's not on the top of my mind. It's not if – it, if it was, I would be calling you, right? Like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Yep. So, I mean, these are just ideas, I hypotheses I have, but
1: um, open – that's exactly what I was. That was my whole point. That's, you, you and I agree on this exactly, right? Which is like it doesn't it doesn't add up. The the other thing I'm arguing is like people think the best in their prospects. They think an open means something, but if you ask them, when you open your email, does that make you more? In, they're like, no, no. I, I just open well, so email. some people. Some people, people email open all like their emails.
0: emails. They have an session to be an email box zero, right? So that's some. That's some. Some people, it's it's, it's probably 25% because that's what you see is outreach's benchmark for success is 27% uh, opens. Yeah, 27%. And I would would say that's probably right because if you look at phone data, around 25% pick up the phone. So if you're an email opener, you're an email opener. If you're a phone picker-upper, you're a phone picker-upper. I would say that's probably right. And it has nothing to do with, by the way, because I open my email has no impact on if I'm going to pick up my phone at all especially if it's cold and i don't even know that's you calling what kind of egocentric mm. brain do you have to say that because you open my cold email you're going to be more likely to pick up my call where you're not in my contact list how does that have any impact
1: so doesn't
0: what kind of egocentric doesn't. thought process goes into that it's cold exactly.
1: exactly.
0: you have no idea that this number ringing right now is attached to me at all so even even if I was yeah. interested, it has zero impact on my connect rate. Zero. You cannot warm right. that up. That's right. Now the argument might be no. that well, if you do pick up, this is a big if, and there's that cross section of the 25 and 25. So let's say you're an opener and a picker-upper. Let's say that's the case, mm-hmm. which should, which would be a subsection yeah. of that. So now that I picked now that I picked up the phone, the relevance around okay, how like when was that? I mean even if there's something I was interested in t- earlier today, like my days are so packed, you're going to have to provide a lot more context, just telling me about the email, if you reference it at all, versus just getting right into the conversation in the first place. And by the way, if it's relevant, it doesn't matter if the email came in or not. I'm like, yeah, that's relevant. Great. So now you've got false that's positives right. and let's talk about this concept. Cause you got, and we only have a few minutes and we'll land the plane on this. Cause I think it's a really good topic before we end and, uh, this idea of false positives, so this is one example: false positives, email opens, produce result. but you have another concept on false positives around phone and going back to like connects and completions mm-hmm. and like the impact of that. but talk, talk us a little bit more about the thing you talk about with this is a false false negative, I think so false positive. We had a false po- yeah, yeah. false that was a false yeah. positive. So you have this idea of a false negative what 's a false yeah. negative?
1: I do, I do, and I'm very bullish on it. And if you if you think about it, anyone who's making calls consistently, if you think about what I'm about to say, you're going to be like, ah, oh, you're right. That is that is generally true. False negative is the idea that when we're making calls, part of the nature of cold calling is like there's a bit of ego involved. Like in your normal life, when I call my buddy Ryan, he's going to pick up the phone, and all I need to say is, "Hey, it's Kevin." And he'll say, hip, hip, hop, hip a hip 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 hop, hop, and then we'll get into a conversation right away. And you expect that Kevin and you know your buddy, and like it, it means something to you. And you take a rep who's been doing that their whole life, and you put him on the phone and have him call strangers, and they say, Yeah, it's Ryan with cognitism. And is this a sales call? I, I don't like I don't take solicitations on the phone. And they hang up, right? That happens to a rep constantly. And because your ego is so much more messed with, And on the line, you tend to negatively endorse whatever someone is doing in that first 15 seconds of a call, right? So a lack of like solid process into how to open a cold call leads you to thinking that everybody hates you. No one wants to buy from you and no one in this world is interested because they say they're not interested or they say, take me off your list or X, Y, or Z in the first 15 to 20, 30 seconds, right? Um many causes of this right like the most classic of which being what i just discussed which is yeah it's kevin with cognizant and leaving a bunch of dead air and i i i think that the dead air like kills more than it helps i know that uh jake alba if he's listening is saying no you're wrong but look uh there's more than one way to skin a cat the the other the other cause of that is pitch slapping right hey this is Kevin with Cognizant, the reason for my call today is that I was hoping to blah, 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 and I help people like you, and then someone just says, hey, let me stop you right there. Take me off your list. Right? Like absolutely just like shutting you down right away. But any way you look at it, if the goal of a cold call is to have a conversation, conversation by definition is call and response, not call and pitch. Like this is what separates us from telemarketers. Telemarketing is one of my least favorite phrase of all time. Like I'm not a telemarketer. I don't teach telemarketers. I've never been a telemarketer. Telemarketers call and read a script. And if that's all we needed, we could hire labor overseas. That's very, very cheap. And they would just call and read scripts. But if you want a salesperson to have a sales conversation, the goal is a conversation, a two-way dialogue. So you have to avoid the number one problem with cold calls, which is the false negative. Something bad happening in the first 15 to 30 seconds of the call that gives you no clue no real understanding of what they're doing to solve a business challenge or if they need a valuable solution, but you just negatively associate, Oh, they said they're not interested. We should probably never call that account again. And I bet you, they hate, they hate me. They actually hate me, Ryan.
0: Yep. So we call again, going to like these are, these are, um, connecting completes, right? We didn't even get uh, past hello and you're associating uh, their response of not interested to, uh, to a level of qualification on an account forever there's like it's crazy how many companies will do that mm-hmm. um, yep. and and ultimately the the amount of reps that just fear that now what's really exciting if people want to see what it's like calling the nose um, Colin Mitchell which you know he runs your podcast um, does his own cold Colin show like like big and be. I all of us are doing this now he's gonna start calling yeah. on his show only the nose. So his whole show is going to be calling people uh-huh. who had recently said no. Uh, so kind of a fun concept, wow. and I think it's going to be very, very educational, yeah. um, and and uh, hits hits strongly on your point because the reality is that that false negative is likely due to circumstances way beyond anything beyond outside of what your intention was. Your, your intention control. was to have a completion. Yep. The completion didn't have so call them back later. Um, and then I think the other piece that's interesting too is uh, we get a lot of those where um, let's say we're calling a CEO. We think it's a CEO and then we hear it like picks up and it sounds like they're at, like a construction site or like, uh, or, Oh yeah. Dog uh, uh, like like, barking. Just, just like they're driving his windows down and like, and, and it's like the middle of the day, not like morning or evening. It's like middle of the day and you're hearing this kind of interesting stuff. And it's like, hello, you know? <laughs> not like, not like a, <laughs> You know, hey, this is Kevin. You know, it's like, and, oh, yeah. and it's like, ah, right. don't fucking call me again. Right. you probably be like, like oh, that's yeah. probably not the CEO. That's probably the wrong Kevin on your list.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. There's there's a lot of things that happen like that. And the one that uh, is going to cause every salesperson listening to this to go, God, I hate that. Is the, uh, hello, who is this? And then you hear like noise in the background and they say, yeah, I'm on a Zoom is what is this what's this about i'm i'm in a meeting it's actually a board meeting can i help you yeah don't pick up your phone in a board meeting don't like don't like if if someone called me right now i'm not picking up the phone i'm busy right people pick up their phone when they're busy but you can't take that as the mortal sin cuz what the, what are they going to do ryan what are they going to do yeah what was this about what was this about they're going to ask you as soon as possible what is this about what is this regarding and whatever you say I, next yeah. they're they're going to say oh oh yeah we're good we're good we're good. Uh, thanks, thanks for the call. I, I'm not interested, though. Yeah,
0: that, that that that's one that's near and dear to Justin and I. Do this every morning. We actually call out. That it sounds like we caught you, like in the middle of something. Um, you know, did you have nothing And and yep. and, and, Always and we've been out. talking about this because it's very top of mind right now. Uh, every single look, time. Look, Getting a phone call. You should answer. You should answer. I'm it. not answering. <laughs> I'm not answering. Uh, well, well, I'm not answering. But every That's single time we decide to go ahead and go forward for whatever reason, the guys like, "All right, we'll do it. We'll just do it." It's like, ah, no, no, we're good. Instead of just saying, "You know what? That's not a problem. Let me call you back when you're not in a boardroom," and just hang up because yep. now you got to do something. So, up on that. Kevin, this was an amazing conversation. I yep. only got a hard stop. I want to make sure you get to your next thing on time. If people want to reach out to you. Learn more about Hop. You got a course coming out on cold calling. Sounds like you know a few things. How do they reach you?
1: Yeah, hopconsultinggroup.com. I've got a podcast called the Sales Career Podcast. Check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. And connect with me on LinkedIn. As, uh, As Ryan mentioned, launching a course all about cold calling. Go way deep into all this stuff. Gives any one rep everything they need to have an actual structure and process around this. So check it out. Amazing. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Appreciate your time today.